0: We're going to be looking at Genesis chapter 1, the passage of Scripture I'm going to be focusing in on is 6 through 25, but just to, for the full context, as I read this morning, I'm going to go back to verse 1, just to fill it out, but today's focus is 6 through twenty-five. We've started in our series on Genesis. So for this month and next month, Lord willing, we'll be going through the first, second, and third chapter in Genesis to understand the foundation of everything. So if you'd like to follow along in the Bibles provided in the chairs, it's page one. Page one. So I just want to follow along. Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. God saw that the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning, the first day. And God said, let there be an expanse between the waters to separate water from water. So God made the expanse and separated the water under the expanse from the water above it. And it was so God called the expanse sky and there was evening and there was morning the second day and God said let the water under the sky be gathered to one place and let dry ground appear and it was so God called the dry ground land and he gathered waters he called seas and God saw that it was good And there was evening and there was morning, the third day. And God said, let there be lights in the expanse of the sky to separate the day from the night. And let them serve as signs to mark seasons and days and years. And let them be lights in the expanse of the sky to give light on the earth. And it was so. God made two great lights, the greater light to govern the day and the lesser light to govern the night, he also made the stars. God set them in the expanse of the sky to give light on the earth, to govern the day and the night and to separate light from darkness. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening and there was morning, the fourth day. And God said, let the water teem with living creatures. And let birds fly above the earth across the expanse of the sky. So God gathered the great creatures of the sea and every living and moving thing with which the water teems according to their kinds and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. God blessed them and said, be fruitful and increase in number and fill the water in the seas. And let the birds increase on the earth. And there was evening, and there was morning, the fifth day. And God said, let the land produce living creatures according to their kinds. Livestock, creatures that move along the ground, and wild animals, each according to its kind. And it was so. God made the wild animals according to their kinds the livestock according to their kinds, and all the creatures that move along the ground according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. Let us go to God in prayer. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your truth. Father, we pray that you will guide us in this time that we may have discernment and wisdom through the power of your Holy Spirit. Father, we pray that you would help us to know your truth and live accordingly in gratitude to you. In Christ's wonderful name, Amen. As we're going through our series of Genesis, we're coming to understand who God is and who we are. God is God, and we are not God. Therefore, we are absolutely, completely, totally dependent on God for every beat of the heart, for every breath, for every intricate process of every cell that keeps us alive we are absolutely, completely, and totally dependent on God. In everything, at every moment, at all times. Just to give a little statement, I've written out this paragraph, it was in the Midweek News for those who saw it, kind of gives a summary of what we understand of Genesis 1, 2, and 3, when you look at it, has understood through the entire canon of Scripture, from Genesis to Revelation. I'll just read this paragraph again. What the Bible teaches as true concerning Genesis, chapters 1 through 3. The eternal, sovereign, triune God, remember we saw that, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, created out of nothing, That means without pre-existing material, out of nothing, the heavens and the earth, the universe, all existing matter and space considered as a whole. God does this by speaking. His word is that powerful. God ordered and created matter and space so that there would be life, All vegetation and living creatures were made according to their kind, their specific kind. God created the universe in the sequence of six solar days, morning and evening. This creation occurred in the period of one week of normal solar days about 6,000 or so years ago. And the entire creation was mature and aged at the instant of its creation. Death did not exist nor any corrupting influence, and the creation was good. So this is the, the understanding of creation. This is the understanding of Genesis that we find throughout the Old Testament. We find lifted up in the Psalms. We find presented in the New Testament. We see pointed to by Jesus Christ himself. So this is the, the most basic clear understanding given for these chapters. Because we understand this is about God being God and about us being creatures. And this is about us being absolutely, completely dependent on God for everything of life and we have one sole purpose which is to give Him all the praise, glory, and honor. That's it. If you want to know the meaning and purpose of your life, there it is. To give God all the praise, all the glory, and all the honor. We do this out of gratitude. Because the same God who made us, who continues to sustain us, who gives us every breath and every beat of the heart, is the God who sent His Son, Jesus Christ, that we may be redeemed that we may be recreated, that we may find life again, even though due to our sin and rebellion, we are heading toward destruction. So God is so good that he would create us, and God is so good that he would send a way of redemption, a new life, and God is so good that he will send his son again, so that his glory is fully manifested in a new heaven and a new earth. That's it. So we see where the foundations of these truths of who God is and who we are and the vital importance of understanding our absolute dependence on God is the foundation presented in Genesis. If we look at days 1 through 6, as we're considering this morning, we see the understanding where God separates and God brings life. For the purpose of giving him glory. So as we go through these scriptures, especially focus again on verses six through twenty five, we'll see a pattern, we'll see a sequence, and we see a purpose laid out for us that's presented ultimately in Jesus Christ. I take you back, though, to verses one through five. One through five. We talked about this last Sunday night in our Bible study. I'm going to bring up these words this morning because they're very, very important for the rest of our study in Genesis. Tohu, well, Bohu. Tohu, Bohu. So We're we'll going to be looking at this and understanding this. We see God creates the universe, time, space and matter. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. But verse 2, the earth was without form and void. And darkness was over the face of the deep. We see where God speaks. He creates out of nothing all time, space, and matter. But this time, space, and matter, the earth is without form. It is void. It is empty. There is no life. And it is out of that he separates and brings life. These are important words because throughout the Old Testament, especially the prophets, whether it's Jeremiah, they bring up these words again, tohu abohu, and he, they show that these words are used as a form of showing God's judgment, God's wrath on his people or on the nations who do not give him the praise and glory and honor that is due to him. Of returning them to a state of non life rather than life. So we see where God brings life, and out of this emptiness, out of this non life, he brings life. It's very important to understand that from the matter and space and time, from all these things that God creates, life cannot come about on its own. It cannot. Every step of the process, every aspect of separating and bringing life only comes about by God's direct, spoken command. Everything. Everything. And you see the sequence woven through here. And we see the first three days, there's the separation. We see that in the the initial verses of 2 through 5 where God separates, he creates the light, and he separates light from darkness. Day two, we see where he does another separation to bring about life. Here's where he separates the waters below and the waters above. He creates the sky, the heavens. And day three, we see where he separates the seas. He creates dry land. He raises up the mountains and the dry land, and he... He makes boundaries for the seas. And now that there is light and darkness, now that there is a separation of the waters below and waters above, and now that there is land, all of the created animals, all the plants, all the trees, everything can now be brought about. They now have an environment where they can live and thrive. And give God all the praise, glory, and honor. So just as in days 1, 2, and 3, you have these important separations, you see d- days 4, 5, and 6 where God brings about life. He speaks it into existence for His pl- praise, His glory, His honor. It's a powerful statement here in Genesis. If you look at day 3, The separation of the dry land from the water, the earth from the seas. There are several passages of Scripture, I'm going to be looking at some of them, that point back to that to show how mighty God is, how powerful He is, and how we can trust Him with everything and look to Him at all times. The first one I take to you is Job 38. Job 38. This is when God comes to Job to speak to him. Job 38, starting at verse 1. Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, Who is this that darkens counsel by words without knowledge? Dress for action like a man, I will question you and you make it known to me. And then God asked these questions of Job. Where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. Who determined its measurements? Surely you know. Or who stretched the line upon it? On what were its bases sunk? Or who laid its cornerstone? When the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for glory? Or who shut in the sea with doors when it burst out from the womb? When I called clouds its garment and thick darkness its swaddling band and prescribed limits for it and set bars and doors and said, Thus far shall you come and no farther. And here shall your proud waves be stayed. Have you commanded the morning since your days begun and caused the dawn to know its place, that it might take hold of the skirts of the earth and the wicked be shaken out of it. We see this theme again in Proverbs, Proverbs 8. Again, this focus, Proverbs eight twenty eight. When he made firm the skies above, and he established the fountains of the deep, when he assigned to the sea its limit, so that the waters might not transgress his command when he marked out the foundations of the earth. Again, Psalm 104. Starting at verse 5. He set the earth on its foundations so that it should never be moved. He covered it with the deep as with a garment. The waters stood above the mountains. At your rebuke they fled. At the sound of your thunder they took to flight. The mountains rose. The valleys sank down to the place where you appointed for them. You set a boundary that they may not pass so that they might not again cover the earth. The separation of the land from the waters, the work of God showing His power and command. And it's at this moment, two things come to the mind of the redeemed. As we see these scriptures and understand this truth of God, there are two things that should, should come across us like waves. Is this. If God is that powerful, if God is that sovereign, if God is that mighty and holy, that when he speaks to the very waves, to the oceans, they come and they come to a certain point and they do not cross according to his will and his ways. We are are struck in awe of a God that powerful and that mighty. Yet as we understand that there is not a day, there is not a moment that doesn't come across where we do not, in thought, word, and action, come to the very lines and perimeters of what God says is good and right through His law, through His commands, through His gospel, through the scriptures, where God lays out the boundary for our thoughts, for our speech, and for our actions, and there isn't a moment of the day that we do not come to that line and we hurl ourselves over it. And we say to the God who speaks to the waves, who speaks to the winds, who speaks to the stars and keeps them in their course perfectly, and we consider our own constant rebellion. We are old waves that so often forsake the clear line and perimeter and we hurl ourselves in rebellion and disobedience and sin against God. And we consider that we are shaken when we realize that there is forgiveness. That there is grace. That there is a way that we do not have to face The judgment and destruction that awaits such rebellion of the God who through His Word commands and maintains and sustains and keeps everything in order. That there is a way of forgiveness. That there is a way of grace. This is is amazing. We see where Genesis 1, 2, and 3 sets up God in all his power and all his glory and all his might. And we also see where it sets up God in all his grace and all his love and all his forgiveness. These are things that are beyond our comprehension, but we see where the scriptures invite us in to show us God the Father, to show us God the Son, to show us God the Holy Spirit. At work to create, at work to recreate, at work to make new and establish life. As we consider day four, we see where God creates the sun, moon, and stars. Last week we looked at that. God creates light, God has no need for the sun. God has no need for the moon. He has no need for the stars. He made light before there are any of those servants to do his bidding. Just as when Christ returns and there will be the new heaven and new earth, there will no longer be any sun, moon, or stars. There won't be any need. God himself will be the light. There will be no shadow. So we see the importance of that day four. That's when God brings about these servants of his, the sun, moon, and stars. He sets them in their course so that there will be day and night and seasons and these things. And, and to understand how strongly God displays his power and control, he references back to, back to this moment, he references back to day four in Jeremiah 33. Jeremiah 33, starting at verse 19. The word of the Lord came to Jeremiah. Thus says the Lord, if you can break my covenant with the day and my covenant with the night, so that day and night will not come at their appointed time. Then also my covenant with David, my servant, may be broken so that he shall not have a son to reign on his throne and my covenant with the Levitical priest, my ministers. It's crucial to understand how God sets up and establishes the sun, moon, and stars in their courses to give Him glory and to be His servants to bring about His plan and will because just as they are fixed, God says, so is His plan of redemption. So is His plan of bringing jesus christ his son to be born of a virgin to come and be born and to live a perfect life to be born to go to the cross to bring about life where there is the tohu abohu of sin and destruction and harm jesus will come jesus will give his life so that we can be rescued from death and destruction And the consequences of sin to life eternal, to joy unspeakable for his glory and his honor. God will do it. How do we know God will do it? He said it. How do we know He said it? It's in His Word. How can we trust His Word? Because He says it's trustworthy. How can we trust God? As He says, we can trust Him. Remember, this all comes back to this understanding. Who is God? God. Who are we? We are not God. That's as we understand and work through this this understanding of Genesis. We see in day five, well, day three, God brings about the vegetation all the plants and all the trees. And the sun, moon, and stars, day four. Now day five, this is where we see where he brings life to the waters. He brings life to the air. And then day six, he brings life to the earth. The key word that keeps being referred to there is that God brings about animals according to their kind, each specific kind. The scriptures know absolutely nothing of any theory of evolution. This is foreign to the text. That actually does harm and violence to the truth of the text. It knows nothing other than God coming and speaking and creating directly according to his will and his purpose to give him glory and honor and praise. That's all the Bible knows. That's all the Bible presents. That's the truth laid out here. It's a beautiful thing in in day five. After God fills the waters and the skies, he says this, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the waters and the seas. Let birds multiply on the earth. God gives his blessing for, for fruitfulness and ongoing productivity and ongoing life to give him glory and honor and praise. And then again on day six, we see him filling the earth. It's important to see here that what you do not find in Genesis 1, verses 1 through 25, you do not find any death. You do not find anything that's wrong, any pain, any suffering, any corruption of any kind. What you get is God saying, it is good. It is good. It is perfect. It is wonderful. That's a very important understanding. Because is anyone out here, as you consider your life right now, is there anyone out there other than myself that realizes that not everything in your life right now is absolutely and completely perfect and good? Anyone? Good job. You realize that? I realize that. Anyone experiencing at any point or any circumstance any form of pain, any form of suffering, anyone in any way staring at the face of death and 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 harm in any way. Anyone have any of those things going on? Yeah. Thank you, sister testify well if you have any of that where are you gonna go who are you gonna go to where can you run to the God who speaks and says it is good he made it good in the beginning we sinned we rebelled He sends his son Jesus Christ to recreate, to bring again that good, and looking to him. What's amazing is this I encourage you all. If you want the good, go to Jesus. Go to Jesus in your prayers, go to Jesus with your hope, go to Jesus with your trust. Go to Jesus with every circumstance and situation where there is pain, where there is death, where there is destruction, where there is suffering, where there is hurting. Go to Jesus. Because He is good. And only He can bring about the good of redemption and forgiveness and joy where there was pain and suffering and harm. I started the service with this. I will end the service with this. Psalm 148. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise him in the heights. Praise him, all his angels. Praise him, all his hosts. Praise him, sun, moon. Praise him, all you shining stars. Praise him. That's my hope and prayer and encouragement for each and every one of us as we go into this coming week. That we will praise God in everything and for everything at all times. In the midst of suffering and ongoing pain from illness or struggle, we praise Him. In the midst of brokenness within our families or within our marriages, we throw ourselves before God and we praise Him in the midst of crying out and pleading with the lost, pleading with family member or friend or neighbor or co-worker who do not know the it is good of Jesus Christ, we, we praise Him. We praise Him. Even in the midst of looking at death itself, we praise Him. Because we know that in Jesus Christ, we are assured of this in the creation. Darkness does not overcome light. Light always overcomes darkness. To praise God at all times is to give glory and honor that His light, Jesus Christ, is victorious. How can we trust that? Because he said we can trust it. How can we believe it? He's God. Believe it. Trust it. Know that he is good. Let us pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you that as we as we over these weeks consider Genesis 1, 2, and 3, that you remind us of these very important truths. You are God. We are absolutely dependent on you. You give us life. You make us alive to believe and trust in your Son, Jesus Christ. You give us eternal life in Him. You provide forgiveness of our sins. Father, we pray that you will remind us. Remind us every moment when we find ourselves in rebellion or disobedience to you. Remind us of your power. Remind us of your holiness. Remind us of your grace. Remind us of your goodness. Father, we pray that You will continue to transform us and that a life of gratitude, understanding that we are saved by grace and grace alone, a life of gratitude so that we may praise You along with the sun, moon, and stars, along with the plants and animals, that we may praise You along with your creation. In Christ's wonderful name, amen.